the name of Jesus. We continue to say that we decrease, that you increase within us. God, we continue to make a covenant agreement with you that we cannot do anything without you, but through you we can do all things. Um, you're the only one who can make your word alive. And we pray, God, that every word that's uh, said tonight will fall on good ground. And God, help us to be able to hear what you have to say to us. And God, not that it challenges us, not that it just makes us feel better, but I pray, God, that it changes every area in our lives that not, that's not like us. I, I pray, God, that we won't be able to rest until we obey your word. Thank you for the power of your word and authority of your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys. Well, I always ask this um, quite often, and I'm, so I'm going to do it again before we get started. How many believe that this is God's word? Okay, let, let, me, let me see your hand. Everybody say amen, but let me see your hand. Okay. You believe that this is God's unadulterated word. It, it has no errors in it. That whatever he says in his word is true. How many believe that? Okay. And we believe that, that when the word is spoken, we believe that that's God speaking to us, correct? Okay, I'm glad that you agree. So let's just see what is God going to speak to us. Um, I want to read a passage of scripture that we read almost um, actually every Sunday now for, I guess, maybe this year, for the, maybe ever since February. And it's Psalms 100, but I want to read it from the English Standard Version. And it's just five stanzas here. And it says, um, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Know his, enter in his gates, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. For God, for the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Now, normally in, on Sundays, we either read K, King James or um, NLT version, but because of, I, I think sometimes this brings just a little clarity. All of them are saying the exact same thing, but I'm going to be looking from the English Standard Version as we go through this. And um, we're just going to entitle this. If we had to give it a title, we're just going to say our Sunday morning psalm. Everybody say our Sunday morning psalm. This is what I want you to do just for a second as we get into this. Um, one of the things that we try to do, we, you know, we, we're reading Psalms 150 for almost a whole year. And whether you realize or not, I guarantee you probably can say that by memory now because we quoted so many times and we did that on purpose. And now we're reading uh, Psalms 100. But as before we kind of get into those five stanzas, I, I kind of want to kind of set the scene just a little. And I want you to do something for me. Just for a second, I want you to imagine that we're in Old Testament time. You're a Jew. We don't have cars or trucks or airplanes or buses. We have animals to travel. We have a donkey or either a camel. This place that we're here at tonight is the temple. We're going to consider this as being Jerusalem. But we stay or live in Dallas, Texas. So everybody got it? We live in Dallas, Texas. Elizabeth Baptist Church here on 301 Old Beverly Road is the temple, which we're going to classify as Jerusalem. 
We are in Old Testament time. I want you to go with me, okay? So we're going to set a scene here. I want you to just imagine you are a Jew. We are Jews tonight. That it's time for one of the old Jewish annual feasts is coming. It's going to be in Jerusalem. So we are in Dallas, Texas, so we have to start preparing for it. We're going to make our way from Dallas to Benton, Louisiana, because we want to be in the holy temple where God is. We want to be in Jerusalem because we believe that um, we want to be obedient to what God has told us to do. So we start off our destination. Ultimately, our destination is the temple. That's what we're coming to. The second thing is our purpose is we come into the temple for worship. And then the third thing, our motivation is going to be to, um, for Thanksgiving for all that God has done for us and our family. So think about it. We're in Dallas. We come into Ben. Um, we come into the temple because it's not just a location. We're coming to a temple. We come into the temple. And we're going we're gonna to explain this just a little how important the temple was back there. But I want you to go with me. We come into the temple. We, we're motivated. We're uh, we want to give God thanks for all that he has done in our lives. So we leave home, and we leave focus. We're determined, and we're expecting to get into God's presence when we get here because we're so excited about, about coming, making this travel. Because keep in mind, we've traveled all over the place, so coming from Dallas to Louisiana or to Bend is not a problem because everywhere we go, we go with animals and, and on our feet. So it, it's not a big deal. But as we get on this journey, the journey is long, it's hot, it's in the month of July, the path is unyielding, the animals that we're bringing to sacrifice, because remember when we come into the temple, we just can't come without nothing, so we got to pack, pack, pack all the animals and our family with us, so now the animals that we have with us, they become burdensome. The caravan of the other people that we traveling with, they're making all kinds of noise. They're getting on our last nerve. But we come into the temple to worship. Now, we start this journey, and then we get almost in laundry. And we start realizing, why in the world did I leave home to go through all of this? So now I have a decision. I have to look at my life and see whether or not I have my family, I have my sacrifice with me, I have all this stuff, and I have to make a decision of whether or not I want to turn back and go back to Dallas or whether it's worth coming to the temple for what I say I want to come for, and that was to worship my God. So now I'm in Longview. I have to make a decision. The animals, and I, I mean, I'm tired. I'm frustrated. Now I left excited, but now, ugh, I got frustrated. And I'm trying to decide whether or not I want to go back home. So I decide, okay, well, since I've come this far, I might as well go ahead and finish. I might as well go ahead and press on. So as I press my way on to Jerusalem, which is here on 301 O'Bearview Road, as I get here, as I reach Old Bellevue, I hear something. I hear a sound. Mm. I hear a noise. I hear a joyful song singing. And as I approach the temple, I see people out there. I see Brother Rashad out there. I see Gary. But they, they're not parking cars because, remember, I'm on my camel. So they greet me with the song. 
They entice me with the song. That's how they, they greet me. And now that they do that, when I hear the song, I hear the music, I hear what they're saying, that frustration that I had when I was traveling is beginning to wane a little. I don't feel like I used to. So now I hear the music and I enter into the gates. And this is where we're going to start. Psalms 100 says something. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth, or all ye earth, or all um, the earth. And keep in mind, we're reading from the, um, the English Standard Version. And in this, in Psalms, we're going to see how the Jews actually traveled from Jerusalem or from their areas to Jerusalem for worship. And as they did, they traveled, but there were things that they had to encounter before they got to the temple. They just didn't go through and everything was easy. They had something that they had to deal with before they got there. But when they got there, and a lot of times on their way there, they lost sight. And I want you to stick with me because we're going somewhere. We're going to tie all this in. But as they were coming to the temple in Jerusalem, a lot of times they lost sight on why they were coming. And now that they're here and we hear Brother Rashad and Gary and they, they meet us with the song, something happens. Now I get back focused and Psalms 100 does something. The author is unknown. We don't know who he was, who wrote it. But all we know that it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. But in this psalm, if you look through it here, and depending on whether you have your Bible, it, it says something. There's a little, little small print there. It says a psalm of praise. In other words, it's a psalm for thanksgiving. Now, out of the 150 psalms um, in, in, in written in the Bible, this is the only psalm that said that it was a psalm for giving thanks. Now, there's other psalms that focus on thanksgiving. There are other psalms that focus on being thankful. But this is the only one that's labeled as a psalm for giving thanks. Now, what is the writer doing? Or what do you think he's trying to say? Well, I am so glad you asked that question. Because I wanted to get into these five stanzas here that we read every Sunday. And we read it as if... It doesn't mean a whole lot, but it's a lot of meat in these five little um, verses here. So the first thing the writer says here, the, the psalmist says, he said, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Now, this tells me the first thing that when we come into the temple, that we ought to make a joyful or a loud noise. One um, um, version of the Bible said a shout. Now, what that lets me know is joy is something that can be ordered. That means that joy is not happiness. It's something totally different. Now, most of us probably have heard that happiness is something that's based on what happens. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, happiness, you, it's, it can be thing-centered. It can be centered on a thing that can make you happy. People can make you happy. An event can make you happy. 
And that's why happiness is so fickle. It's up and down, and you can lose your stuff, and you can be uh, unhappy. You can have stuff, and you can be happy. But what the author, uh, 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 what the psalmist is saying here, that what he's talking about is not happiness, but it's joy. He's, he's actually saying that there is some real joy that we as believers can have. And this joy is not predicated on things. It's not predicated on an event. It's not predicated on an individual. But this joy is predicated on our God. Now, the old people used to say it like this. This joy I have, the world didn't give it. And the world, they didn't say can't. They say show enough, can't take it away. And, and, and that means something because this writer here is saying that this joy that, that he's talking about making a joyful noise or a shout to the Lord is something that uh, it has to be centered on God and not anything else. Now, guys, this is why that no matter what we're going through, no matter uh, what we're going through, no matter what we're going through, no matter what we are going through, because things may shift, things may change, things may alter, but God's character and his nature never changes. So that's why we can have joy because of who God is. So the writer said, make a joyful noise. Now, this is why he's saying this, make a joyful noise, a shout to the Lord because God is, if God is, if God is who he say he is, and he's still alive, and he cares for us, and he's in charge of everything that happens in our life, guys, that's a reason to rejoice, because God is the one that has the final say-so. It's not your boss, it's not the doctor, it's not the president, but it is the Lord who has the final say-so of what happens in our lives. So now we see that the author said, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Now look at this. This verse also tells us about joy. It, it, it tells us something here. This, this, this joy, it, it, who is to make a joyful noise? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Who is to make a joyful noise? Well, we're going to get to that. Let's look at something before we do. Now, it's also talking about in, in verse, um, well, let's go ahead. In verse 1, it say, make a joyful noise. And it say, all the earth. Now, when the psalmist is talking about all, can somebody tell me the definition of all? Wait, but, but that's not my personality. Notice what the scripture says here. Now, you told me I didn't make you. I just asked you. You told me that this, you believe that this was God's word. You told me that God did not lie. Now, you told me that. So if that's, if we believe that this is God's word, let's see. It says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, a shout unto the Lord, uh, all ye land or all ye earth. That means that everyone is to do it. Now, in this also, in, in, in this particular verse, in verse 1 and 2, it's talking about something, and it calls worship. Everybody say worship. In worship, and we notice, we hear this all the time, we say worship service. We come into worship, and we know, and I don't know about you, but 
probably for anybody my age and probably older knew, and maybe even a little younger, knew that when we came to church, they said, you know, I don't play on Sunday. I may do a whole lot of stuff on Sundays. I'm serious because I'm going to worship service. We put that look on that, you know, we didn't play. And most of us came up in church really if we laugh, we had to slip and do it because we, we thought we couldn't laugh and have fun in church. So, but, so we know worship is serious. We know it's sacred. We know it's a spiritual business. But what we also know is that worship is when we as the individual that God has created, we, be, we come before the creator. We come before the sustainer. We come before the ruler of heaven and earth. And why is that important? Because God created us. He created us, so, created us so that we could come before him. Unfiltered, I mean, filthy people such as you and I can come before a holy God. Guys, that is a privilege. There's a lot of places that we can't go, but there are some places that we can. So God allows us to come before him in worship because serve the Lord with gladness. In, in, in one context, it says serve the Lord. In another, it said, worship the Lord with gladness. And worship and service is a, a synonymous with each other. And we're going to look at something here just shortly that, that the psalmist is saying here. He's talking about how serious worship is and when we come before God and how when we come, we shouldn't have a, a sad attitude. We shouldn't look like people that have no hope because we serve an awesome God. Now, what you may say, well, what does worshiping uh, God enjoy? What does that look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. The first thing that it looks like is what the psalmist said in verse 1. Go back to verse 1. It says, make a joyful noise. And what does that mean? In, in the Hebrew word, make a joyful noise is another word for shout. Everybody just shout. Just say something. It doesn't matter. Shout. It renders a Hebrew word for shout. In other words, it's the way that we get God's attention. If you ever had to go and you saw a celebrity, you would shout, you would make, hey, hey, take a picture with me. You're saying that because you want to get noticed. Well, we know God is omnipotent. We know that he's everywhere. We understand that. But the, the psalmist here is telling us that when we come before here, we shout. And what that does, it, it gets his attention. And see, sometimes we hadn't even got to the shouting, so we don't even get to the entering, and we're going to get there in just a second. So this word shout means to make a joyful noise, or make a joyful noise means to shout. And church worship shouldn't be like uh, we're in a doctor's office or in a library. Most librarians, you know, shh, shh, that shouldn't be the way it is in this place. We shouldn't come and worship and sit like we're stuck in traffic. We, couldn't, we shouldn't come sit like we had a funeral or someone who died and who did not know the Lord. I think that it's a sad commentary that when someone shouts, and not saying that we do that here anymore, but when somebody shout unto the Lord or clap or dance, we look at them like it's something wrong. But the scripture is telling us tonight over in Psalms 100 that it's something wrong with us when we know who he, God is and what he's done for us and we don't open our mouth and say so. So let's look at, so what the scripture is telling us that something ought to swell up on the inside of us every now and then and say or we express how good God is. 
Now, if you, I'm, I'm just saying for me personally, when I literally, and I say this often, and God knows as my witness, I mean it. Every time I think about the goodness of God and all that he's done for little old Marari and the Keaters, Kirk Adams from Haynesville, Louisiana, I am so grateful and so thankful for what he's done. And, th and that's the reason when I praise, I can praise him, not just on Sunday, but I can be riding in my car. And I know I'm not by myself. Some of you guys probably do this. And you just start thinking about the goodness of God. And it just does something to you because of how good he is. And that's what God is saying. He wants us to get to the point that we shout. And we tell him, not just making just noise just to be making it, but shouting so that we tell him how good he is. I think that the Holy Spirit put something in verse 1, just a minute, the, what we just said, all the earth. I think he did that for a purpose. I believe that's for all of us who think that we're uh, sophisticated, we educated, and every other kind of aided. And say, okay, that's just not my personality. You notice here, he didn't, he did, he left, he left, he disregarded all of that and said that you still ought to make a joyful noise. And you guys, this hasn't gone away. That, and also, I thought about this. You know, when we were growing up, most of us that had grew up with our moms, our grandmothers, or even maybe our fathers, they always said, if somebody do something nice for you or do something for you, what they tell you to say? Thank you. So you mean to tell me that God wakes us up every day, every morning, and we can't say thank you? So the psalmist is saying that, that when, when God has been good to us, we ought not to be ashamed of what he's done for us, and we ought to be able to shout unto our God. Now, in verse 2, and we, we talked about this just a little, serve the Lord with gladness, come into his presence with singing. Now, a couple things I want to pull out of here. The word serve, and I said this a minute ago, but serve is, an, is a synonym for, for worship. And what the, uh, the psalmist does here is he says to serve the Lord is to worship the Lord. They go hand in hand. So what are you saying, Sister Mararia? The emphasis here on this word uh, serve actually uh, expects us to be an active participant in worship. That's what the psalmist is talking about. He's saying, now, first you make a joyful noise to the Lord, all you let everybody. Now he says, serve the Lord with gladness. In other words, we ought to be a participant in the service, uh, in serving our God. And we're going to look at service here because it's twofold. And go with me here. Worship is not a spectator sport. It's not something we come in and we act like a spectator. It's not. Do you understand that worship service can actually take place every Wednesday and every Sunday and you not participate in it? And listen to what I'm saying. We can lift up our hands and we can be seeing something and still not be worshiping our God. Because worship doesn't depend on just the outward uh, appearance of what we do outwardly, but it is an inward thing. It is our life that God wants us to worship him with. So there are many times that we see on Sundays and on Wednesdays that we may just be going through the motion of, of worship. We may sit through worship service 
and, and, and we say, oh, we had a good time, or later somebody may ask us, how was worship church, or how was service today? And we start saying, well, Sister So-and-so or whoever, we look, at, we look at the person and we rate their praise or their worship. But what, what, what the author is saying, and I believe what God is saying tonight to us, God is saying he wants us to have a personal responsibility to offer service to the Lord ourselves. EBC, this shouldn't be just lip service. Anybody can sit through a 90-minute service on a Sunday and say it's worship service. But only you can determine whether or not it's real worship. It, real worship is a lot. It's something we do day by day. Turn to, I mean, guys, go to Romans 12 and 1. We, re, we quote this scripture quite often over in uh, Romans. God, you present, and it says, we present your body as a living sacrifice unto God, holy and acceptable. And, okay, I present, I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies, your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Or, in other words, that's the least you can do. That, that, that's the least you can do. We ought to count it a privilege to be able to serve the Lord. We ought to count it a privilege to be able to serve the Lord. Now, I don't know about you and how you feel, but I'm at the stage in my life right now at the ripe young age of 53 that my mindset is this, Lord, I want to be used by you. I want to be used. I don't want to be set on the bench. I don't know about you, but I've always been very competitive. I didn't like losing. I think some of you guys have heard this. I would cheat if, if I was going to lose. If we were playing with matches, I was going to steal matches. I don't care what it was. It could have been dirt. I was going to go dig, go back behind the house and dig me a pile of dirt and put it in the bucket. I was always going to have more than you. I didn't like being, and that was before I got saved. So now that I'm saved, I'm, I'm like, God, wherever you want me, I don't have to be in front. I don't have to be uh, me in the back. I don't have to be noticed. But wherever you want to use me, I want to be available. What I don't want, this is my mindset, what I don't want, I don't want God to bench me. That's what I don't want. And the psalmist is saying here that it is important that we realize that, 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 it, that God wants to use us wherever we are. And it's a privilege that whatever the Lord wants us to do, to be, be willing to do it. When the Lord asks us to serve him, now, um, again, look, it said, come into serve the Lord with what? Gladness. In other words, we shouldn't be, uh, it shouldn't be, we shouldn't complain. It shouldn't be grudgingly. It shouldn't be out of just a ritual or mechanical. We do it without even thinking. But God said that whatever we do for him, we should have the attitude that we're, going, we're doing it with gladness. I like that little motto that um, Chick-fil-A have. Uh, they say, what is it? It's my pleasure. And how, how many of us really take it that into heart and to and have that as our mindset to say, God, it is my pleasure to serve your people. It's my pleasure to do whatever. So that the 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 psalmist here is saying we are to be glad, we are to serve God with gladness. Now the other part in, in verse two it says, come into his presence. Now, this is the thing, that you is there, it's understood, it's understood you there, you come into his presence. 
Now look, this thing about the temple, remember they came into the presence because they, they believed in Old Testament time, they believed that the glory of God, the power of God, the authority of God, the anointing of God was in the temple. So it wasn't like it, and we understand that God lives and abides on the inside of us, but the temple was something that was really um, important to them. People would travel for miles and miles and miles and miles away. Now, and when, we, when I had you guys doing that, just that, that, that uh, kind of exercise at the beginning, in your mind, you could not fathom walking from Dallas, Texas to, to Bend. Because we drive everywhere. It's a different society. It's a different mindset. But keep in mind, everywhere they went, that's, they didn't have a plane. They couldn't get an airline, I mean, a flight on Delta or American Airlines. And have you ever thought how they went from region to region and to regions and they set up churches over here and over there? And have you ever thought that how they got there? So in our mindset, when I said that, you were thinking, okay, that's just, that's just so far-fetched. But it's not because that was the, the, mind, that was the time that we were living in. Now, here in, in verse 2, he says, come into our presence. In other words, he gives us a commandment here. He says, come. And, and, and God is inviting us. We have an invitation from our God to come and to worship him. This is the thing, guys, and don't miss this. God wants our presence. He wants fellowship with us, and he wants communion with us all the time, not just some of the time. And, and, I, and I want you to think about this, how God wants perennial us and, and perennial you and, and I, I, how, how, how small we may be, but yet God said we're valuable to him, and he wants us in his presence most of us like, will not likely get an invitation to go to the White House and meet the president in the over office. And you may be saying right now, well, I don't want to go, even if I had an invitation. <laughs> and, and, and you may be saying that. But the point of it is most of us are not on that level. But God is even on a higher level, and he's inviting us every morning, every day, to come in to his presence and to worship him. Now, you may not think very much about it, but every morning God wakes you up, he's bidding at your heart. I guarantee you, if I poll the audience tonight, I'd probably half or either 90% of us will say that every morning, almost every morning or several mornings, we say something wakes us up. We can't sleep. We're tossing and turning. But you don't realize that's God tugging at your heart and say, come on in, child. Spend some time with me. I got some things I want to tell you. You want to know the plan. You want to know the next part of your life. Your future is in my hand. Uh, Miss Clara and whoever can give you and read your sign and read your destiny, I'm the only one that has your future. I have a plan for you, and that plan has not changed for you but you won't spend the time that you need with me. You're confused. You're going through depression. You say, but some of it just may be is that we're not spending our time with our God. And we're going to see something else because in his presence, there's something that happens. But God said, Comes in, come into my presence. And God, it's a privilege. I don't know about you, but the author said that he was glad. He said, serve the Lord with gladness. This is the invitation that God has, and God's saying that no matter what happens, I'm inviting you into my presence, and you can have joy there. 
And God is saying, but that's one stipulation when you come. And look what he's saying. We started off with this with Gary and Brother Rashad when I gave you an example. Um, he said, when you come, he said, come singing. Now, what kind of stipulation is that? He says, when you come into my presence, come singing. Because if you look over in Psalms and when you look through the Bible, singing and, and praising and music was important. But you're also going to understand something as we go through this, that a song, a beat cannot make you praise, cannot bring you into worship. Because this is something that God is saying that is on the inside of you. And he's trying to do something on the inside because when he does this, you don't have to have music. You don't have to have a praise leader. You don't have to have a praise team. You can enter into the praises of the and the, uh, the presence of the Lord, just you and the Lord. And that's what God is trying to get us to understand that when we come into his presence, he wants us to come singing. What, what, what do you mean, Sister Mary? Well, God is saying that we ought not to just rush into his presence. We got with questions and complaints and whining. You know, you think about it. How many times have we came to church with a whole lot of stuff and we didn't come prepared? We came, if we had kids, we came with snacks and candy and toys. And sometimes we brought books to read when, when pastor was preaching or the choir was singing or when it's time for praise and worship, you may be on Facebook, you may be texting, you may be doing, a, you may be on Facebook, uh, me, uh, Instagram, we may be doing a whole lot and we never thought that God is looking at us and there's a tear in his eye. Because his thing is, he's telling us to come into his presence, and we don't even value it. So now God is saying, come, come. But we're coming with the wrong thing. We're not coming to sing. Some of us are waiting until we get here, and what we're thinking is that the music or the choir or, or the praise team or whoever, that's going to bring us into his presence. And God is saying, no, in the scripture, if we look at the scripture, he said, even before you get here, you need to be ready to give thanks and praise. Even before you arrive, God is saying, I want you to be prepared to go into my presence. And thank God, like I said, for the choir and the praise team. But guys, don't let singers do uh, worship God for you. Don't let a praise team or a choir go before your God for you. You do it yourself. Worship, it should not be a show of what everybody else is doing to entertain us. It shouldn't. It's not a show. We, we shouldn't be on a, a platform to try to entertain. Our, our responsibility, all of us, not just the singers, not just the musicians, not just the praise team, but you. It's your job to come into this place with thanksgiving in your heart, getting ready to praise your God. Look at verse 3. It says something here. He said, now, first make a draw of the Lord, shout unto the Lord. Then he says, serve the Lord. And how do you serve him? With gladness. Then he say, I want you not only to serve, but I want you to come into his presence. But when you come, I want you to come singing. And guys, this is the good thing about this. Before I go to verse 3, just keep it there. You don't even have to be able to sing. God, God didn't say you had to sound like Aretha Franklin. He didn't. He didn't say who, who, uh, Beyonce. He, he just say sing, make a noise. And everybody in here can make some kind of noise. Now, they may not put you on the praise team, but you can sit right out there and sing unto the Lord. 
And that's what God is wanting us to do, to learn how to enter in. And, and again, I'm not making this up. The scripture is very clear. It said, come into his presence singing. Now, verse 3 says something. It's, now, verse 1 and 2 goes, and it tells us this about worship. It says, the, verse 1 and 2 tells us a couple things. It tells us, first of all, it, it, it involves a feeling. They say, okay, you got to be joyful. You got to be glad. And you got to have a heart with a song. You have to have a song in, in, your, in your spirit somewhere. Now, verse 3 does us something a little different because now it's not dealing with just the feelings. It's dealing with something else. Now, verse 3 starts saying, it ain't about your feelings. This is that you, got, you need to know something. And what is it that we need to know? In the, first of all, it says in verse 3, it says, Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. In other words, we need to know who God is. Worship, in order to worship someone, you got to know that he's worth being worshipped. You got to know that he's worth it. I don't know about you, but have you ever dated somebody and you look back and you say he wasn't worth it? Or she wasn't worth it. Just look straight ahead. You may be saying, that's what I think about my spouse. But look straight ahead. Look straight ahead. I'm not talking about the person next to you. But, but, but we, when we come to God, we have to know that he is worth everything that's on the inside of us. The psalmist says if we're going to worship God right, we need to know who he is. So what things do we need to know? Well, I'm glad you asked. We need to know that God is God and he's God all by himself. He alone is God. There's nobody else like him. That's, this, this is why I really think that God is saying no matter what's going on, we need to understand God is not on the board of gods. I mean, it's not like God here, you got other little gods here. It's not like that. He is, he is God, nobody else. And God is always saying that he has always wanted to be in control of our lives. I thought about as I was preparing this, a song that we sung when we were little, and I think most of y'all probably sung it too. It starts saying, he got the whole world in his hand. He has the whole world in his hand. And he does. He's in control. It's nobody like him. He has the whole world in his hand. Now, why is that important? Because he's the creator. He has the final say-so, as we said earlier. He made everything. God is the one and only true living God. Turn to Exodus 20 and 3, and it says something here. It says that you shall have no other God before me. I'm sorry, it was Exodus 23. If the guys put up, because I'm going to run through this real quick. Exodus 23 says, you have, we have no other God before me. Deuteronomy 6 and 4 says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Then Isaiah says something in verse um, chapter 42 and 8. He said, I am the Lord, that is my, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to cough idols. In other words, God is too great of a God to share his throne with any of us. So the psalmist wants us to understand that if we want to learn how to be grateful in whatever season we're in, the first thing that we have to do is to realize that God is God all by himself. Guys, we have to understand that whatever we're going through, that to know that there's nobody like our God. We've seen that, but do you really know it when circumstances and situations hit you dead in the face? 
or hit us dead in the face. There's only one God, and that's God Jehovah. Now, let's look at something. Uh, one of the things, if you go back to the third verse here, know that God, he is God. He is, he, it is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people. In other words, we're not self-made, guys. We belong to somebody. And I want you to think about this as we go through these last uh, couple of verses. We actually belong to God. Yeah, can you do what you really want to do? You really can because he made us a free will agent. But the way God made us is that he wants us to understand that he is in control. And it's not us. And in a society that we live in now, that's one of the things that, that really mess us up because we, we want to get into the point that we want to have it where we're in control and, and we're not. God is in control. It, I guarantee you, if you start thinking about who's in control, let God not wake us up in the morning and take his hand off of us, then you will know and we'll know and I'll know that, God, you really are in, in control. Our life is short. And I think sometimes we forget how short it really is. The scriptures say it's like a vapor. It's just it's here today and gone tomorrow. So we, therefore, we are his people. And what God is saying is he said that we are his people and the sheep of his pastor. And, and God wants us to know that he actually take, he takes care of of us. I want everybody to just say something real quick. Say, God will take care of me. And I want you to write that down. Put wherever you can put in your phone. You can write it. You can text it. Do whatever you need to do. But I need you to make a note that your God will take care of you. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care how bad it's been. I don't care how many times you messed up. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what God is saying tonight that I got you. I got you. And don't get frustrated. Don't allow the enemy to tell you otherwise. God is saying that we are his people and he's concerned about us. If God made us and we are his, that means that we belong to him. And that's good news. Know that the Lord, he is God, is he who made us and we are his people and therefore we are his people. God take care of the people that belongs to him. If God, God wants us to know that we actually belong to him. Now look at this. It, um, and over in the last part, and the sheep of his pastor. In other words, Psalms 20, 23, and we know this. We know this is um, the, um, what do we call it? Uh, Psalms 23. The Lord, uh, what is that? The, I forgot what it's called. What is the Lord? What is the tw Psalms 23 called? Just Psalms 23? 23rd Psalms? Okay, I, I'm, I'm thinking. But anyway, let, let me quote it. I, I was thinking it was another name. I forgot. Maybe not. It may just be the 23rd Psalm. Okay, but anyway, the 23rd Psalm, we know that David wrote it, and it talks about how God is his shepherd. And it says, the Lord is my shepherd. In other words, we are his sheep. Sheep can't feed themselves. They can't. But what God is saying is that he can't, he can't provide for them, and he'll protect them. If, if sheep don't have a shepherd, guys, we're doomed. And we're noticed, and we're referred to as sheep. And we have to know that God is our shepherd. But it also says that when we run across, when we run to the cross and trust in God, God is telling us that he's a good shepherd, and he laid down his life for us. 
And David in Psalms 23 talks about, he said, the Lord is my shepherd. He said, I shall not want. Everything I need, just say this to yourself, everything I need, my shepherd will provide. And that has to be, that you have to know that, that whatever you need, God will provide. Everything I need, God will provide. When I get hungry, he'll make me lie, lie down in green pastures. When I get thirsty, he'll lead me beside the, the still water. When I stray away, he'll restore my soul. When, when I don't know what to do next, he'll lead me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. When, um, when I'm in a dark valley or just down and out, that um, the, the, uh, psalmist say, I feel no, I fear no evil for thou art with me. Then it says, his rod and his staff, what do they do? They comfort me. So what, 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 what the psalmist is saying here, in, all, in, in everything that I go, I go through, I can have joy that God is still in control. James says something over in the book of James. He said, my brother, count it all joy when you fall, or when you fall into various uh, diverse trials. He said, but count it all joy. In other words, I can still have joy even when I'm going through things, even when I'm entering in into the gates, even when I'm going through uh, coming to his presence with singing, when I know that the Lord is God, when I know he's made me, when I know I'm his sheep, when I know that he's my shepherd, I can still have joy in all of this. Look at these last two verses that we're going to be through. I got about 34 seconds here. Let's see if I can get two verses in 30 counting seconds. Here we go. Let's see. The last uh, two verses here, it says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endureth forever, his faithfulness to all generations. Guys, this is what we want to sum this up, these last two verses. That when we come into his courts, the first thing that God is saying is, the writer is saying here, we enter into his gates. The entering into the gates is just the, it's the outer part. That, it just gets us there. Now, as you enter into the gates, it says that you enter in those gates and you enter in with thanksgiving. That's just the gates. It's not the court. It's not into his presence. So the gates gets us into uh, to the temple, the doors. And when we come, we come with thanksgiving. Now, as we're coming into his courts, now we come into the praise because we begin to praise him for who he is and, and for all that he alone has done. But then it says that we give thanks to him and we begin to bless his name. Now, why is this so important? Why is this so important? This is almost similar to someone coming to your home and they ring the doorbell. The doorbell is equal to a shout. How, why, what's the purpose of the doorbell? That's to let you know that somebody's out there. So when we shout, we're shouting already. That gets his attention. Oh, my child is coming to my presence. He's getting ready. He's getting ready. Now we enter into Thanksgiving, into the gates with Thanksgiving. Oh, God, I thank you. I praise you. I, I magnify your name. I enter into his court with praise. Oh, now we're getting into uh, a little deeper. But some of us, that's all we get. That's as far as we get. So we can never really enter into to worship into his presence. Why is being in his presence so important? Because, guys, everything that God has for us is in his presence. We can't get it without it. So a lot of us are trying to get things, and some of us hadn't got to the shouting, 
And for those who've got to the shout of the maker of the joyful lords, we made the noise and some have entered into the gates. We got that part and we come in with thanksgiving. Some may have that. And now some may go into praise, a, a little praise. But see, this is the thing. Praise is focusing in. On, and normally praise is going to involve an outer. It's going to involve some type of emotion. It, it, it does. It's going to, your hands, your, your mouth or something. Praise is going to involve the outer part. But worship doesn't necessarily involve praise. It can, but it doesn't have to. Worship is who we are. It's a part. It's us focusing in on who God is. It's not asking for anything. It's not necessarily thanking him for what he's done, but we're thanking him simply for who he is. And this is something, and worship involves, it goes even deeper because it talks about this is something we do every day. See, worship is not something you can put on and take off. It can't be some a way we live Monday through Saturday and think we're going to come into his presence just any kind of way on Sunday. It doesn't work that way. Now, we may come into praise, but that doesn't mean we enter into worship. And that's when we enter into his presence. That's the intimate part of what God wants in our lives. That's when God is talking to us and we're talking to him. And normally when we go into worship and praise, it's going to be such a, 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 a revival that takes place, not only in this place, but in our lives. Because that, when we go into the presence, that's what freedom is. That's when we're really going to break free from some stuff. A lot of us are singing freedom, we're free, but we're really not. And God said we can't get free because we won't come into his presence. Because this is the thing, God is a holy God. He's a loving God, he's a just God, he's a merciful God, he's a faithful God, he's a righteous God, but he is a holy God. And like I told you earlier, we can't just come in the old kind of way. And think about this, we prepare for everything else. If you ever go to a game, we're preparing for it. If you ever go on a trip, you prepare for it. If you're going to whatever, you prepare for it. If we, we're going to some type of gala, we prepare for it. But we never really think about preparing for Sunday morning service. And God is saying, I'm trying to get EBC to come into my presence because what my presence is is everything that you've been looking for. And see, there's deliverance in God's presence. I'm talking about true deliverance. I'm not talking about this stuff we say we deliver and then we go back into it. When we repent, repentance means you turn away from and you turn to something else. That's what repent, true repentance means. But in our mindset, we can't fathom how when worship time is, is, is present, really getting before throwing our all on the altar, and say, God, I don't care who see me. I don't care what's going on right now. I'm hungry for you. I've traveled all these miles. I've traveled from Dallas to Jerusalem because I made up in my mind, I wanted to get to the temple. And when I got to the temple, I wanted to worship. That's why I was coming. And I had already made up in my mind that even when I was traveling with the caravans and the camels and the, the donkeys, that all that stuff, it may have been just a distraction. But when I got up on the grounds and I heard Brother Rashad and Brother Gary crying out and singing, it did something to my spirit. Now, for those who came in late won't understand that part, so just scratch that and we'll catch you up later. But it did something to my spirit. That's what God is trying to get us. EBC, God is trying to shake us up. 
He's trying to shake us up. Not, it's, it's, playing time is over. That's what the author was, I mean, the psalmist was saying. He said, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his holy name. That's fifth verse. And this is why we can do it. As we praise him, we worship him for three things. First of all, because God is good. See, I know for some of us that may be a cliche. You, we say that God is good and all the time and all the time is God is good. But no, I'm talking to those who really know that God is good. I'm, I'm, that, that's what, for those who really know that God is good. And then the next part of the reason we praise him because his steadfast love, in other words, God doesn't change. Now, we may turn our back on him. We may act a plum fool up in here, but God is always, no matter how far we stray, God is always in that same spot that we left waiting for us to come back. And this is the thing. He don't hold our foolishness against us. And I don't know about you, but that's worth praising God there all by yourself. He doesn't hold it against us. And, and, and so we, for, the, for the Lord is good, his steadfast love, his love endures, it never changes. I don't know whether you grasp that or not. You got people that are in and out your life all the time. But God is saying he is consistent. He's consistent. He, his love never changes. And he's faithful, guys. Now, I, I, I don't, I don't, I mean, a lot of you may be faithful, you may be committed to a whole lot of things, but we serve a God who is faithful, and it says to all generations, that means this generation right now. And God is just saying that EBC, I'm trying to get you into my presence. It's not about just chapping and stomping and dancing. Those things are great. But God's saying, don't just do it because of the beat. Don't just do it because of the rhythm. Do it because you love me. Let it be out your spirit. Don't let the music or the praise team or somebody have to get you in the mood. When you leave your house, you ought to be, I'm going to the temple. I'm ready to praise him because I am so thankful for God, what God has done. When I left home this morning, he allowed me to get back home. When I woke up this morning, I didn't know whether I was going to see another a day or another hour or another or anything, but God allowed me to see it. He watched over my kids. He watched over my family when I would get, had to make a decision, didn't know what to do, but God gave me the instruction on how to do it. That's why we can praise him, simply because of who he is. And what he's done. And that's what God is trying to get you. And see, this praise is not predicated. Now, this is not predicated on what you do. It's just simply predicated on who he is. But worship is predicated on what you do. It really is. And this is where God is trying to get us to, to truly worship him. Because there is a difference between praise and worship. It, it is. But God is trying to get, you, get us into his presence. Some of us have been struggling for a long time with different things in our lives, just different things. And you know, just like I know, in my own individual life, when God spoke very clearly, he said, now it's time for you to get out of that. It's time for you to stop that. It's time for you to change this. All of us have had those very strong directives that, that God has spoken in our lives. And we think we can ignore and think it's okay with the Lord. 
And in this psalm, there are several things that the author said. He said, make a joyful Lord. He said, serve the Lord with gladness. He said, come into his presence. Say, know that the Lord is God. He said, enter into his gate. And then he said, for the Lord is good. His love is steadfast and his love, I mean, his, uh, yeah, his faithfulness endured to all generations. And I'm closing with this. Guys, I, I have no doubt that God has put, he put his scripture, his word together for us in the year 2018. We are bombarded with a lot of different things in life. And we, we're, we're, getting, we're, getting, we're getting to the point that we're getting distracted. That our love for God has kind of waned. It's not where it needs to be. And God is always tugging. And I know it's not just my heart that he's tugging. I know that this is a message for this ministry. I know that. Because he's been tugging in my heart like crazy. I'm talking about with stuff that I need to get right in my own individual life. Because we can go through and we can praise and we can come and encourage everyone else. But all of us are going through something. And God is saying that in order for us to get the solution and the key that we need, it's in the word. Why keep living the same way? Day after day after day and month after month, it's time to do something different. And this is the thing. When you look at Psalms, not one place did it say he's going to make us. He's not. Yeah, you may be saved. You may know the Lord. You may have accepted the Lord. But I'm telling you, we can live so much uh, freer and better and do the things that God wants us to do if we start making some decisions and some choices that's in line with his word that would please him. It's time for us, some of us, to get off the throne. Yeah, it is. We've been driving too long and we're trying to figure things out and have you figure out now, you can't, you, this something, there's some things that are going on in our lives that we don't have the power to work it out. And that's the way God does. What God does is a lot of times in our lives, if you look back, he used tragedies, he used problems, he used situations, he used people to get us into his presence. Because he knows that's the, way, only, that's the only way some of us come in, when we get frustrated. And God is just saying, we don't have to no longer live that way. This is what I want to do real quick. I know that God is just saying that in this place that he wants to get us to the point that we come into his presence. We have to have a want to. This is not because somebody else does it. This just has to be a want to. Some of us haven't even entered into the gates. We can't even get past making a, a loud noise. It's just, it's not in us. We've never done it. We, we, it's just, we just refuse to do it. Some of us make the noise, but we at the gate. But we can't get any further than the gate. We may thank him, and it, sometimes it feels it's based on how we feel. If we feel good, everything's going well, then we'll thank him. If things are going bad and I'm having all kinds of issues and hell is broke loose, then, God, I don't feel you right now. So we stay stuck. And the enemy is having a field day with some of our families, on our jobs, with our, our attitude, with us emotionally, mentally. He's, he's having a field day. And we hadn't realized it's because we can't just keep doing church. Some of us have been doing church for a long time. And I, my appeal tonight is, is and, and again, I, this is just for those who is appealed to, 
that if you feel like that God is, is speak, has spoken to you through this message, or through, I don't even say it's a message, I just say it's a word that God has spoken, that you know that there are some things right now that, that really, and I'm not talking about in general, this, I, I want you to hear me clearly, because everybody got some things that they need to change. I'm not talking about general. I'm talking about some things specifically that God has been dealing with you. In, and it's been like a tug. It's like a war going on. On the inside of you, nobody knows. And we don't even want to know what it is. But you know that there's a war inwardly that's going on with you. And you're just tired right now. You're tired of it. You, you really want to be delivered. You want to get into God's presence. But right now, there just seems to be a block. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you to come to the altar, and we're just going to pray. 